Sweet Solidarity is the title of this morning's message. Solidarity is not a word we tend to use very often in our vocabularies, but a definition of solidarity would be a union of interests or purposes or sympathies among members of a group. There are different kinds of solidarity. We have national solidarity when, as Bahamians, you swell with pride when you see one of our track athletes medal in the Olympics. We have labor union solidarity when those in a union will picket or protest outside an employer for better working conditions. We have ethnic solidarity. Some cities in the United States have a Chinatown, for instance, or a little Italy. And we have racial solidarity where particular races of persons perhaps march together to garner greater civil rights. But the Bible, the Bible best knows human race solidarity. For instance, in Ephesians 3, 14 and 15, it says, For this reason, I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in earth and on heaven derives its name. That's human race solidarity. All human beings are being descendants, ultimately, of the Heavenly Father who made us. In fact, God the Father, as you know, created a literal Adam and a literal Eve, and through their union and progeny, every other human in, in their descent has been uh, at solidarity with God the Father who first created them. This is human race solidarity. Our passage for today in Hebrews 2, verses 11 to 16, has this concept of solidarity being woven throughout it. For instance, in verses 11 through 12a, we read in our passage, for both he who sanctifies, that is Christ, and those who are sanctified, that is born-again believers in Christ, are all from one Father. He, that is Jesus, is not ashamed to call them, that is the redeemed, brethren, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brethren. And so now watch this with me, please. At creation, God the Father made solidarity with all humans. At the incarnation, God the Son made solidarity for God and humans. And because of the first Christmas, we can share in God's interests, in God's purposes, and in God's sympathies. And equally, because of the first Christmas, God shares in our interests, our purposes, and our sympathies. To be more specific, because the Lord Jesus Christ became a man, we can share in God's interests like salvation, holiness, revelation, justice, grace, etc., And because the Lord Jesus Christ became a man, we can share in God's purposes like conformity to Christ and resisting Satan and world evangelization and disciple-making, etc. And because Jesus Christ became a man, we can also share in God's sympathies. For instance, God's sympathies for the unborn, as we were considering earlier in our time, or God's sympathies for the oppressed, God's sympathies for the Jews, God's sympathy for the poor. But us sharing in God's interests, purposes, and sympathies is only half, one half of the benefit of God and humans having solidarity. The other half of the benefit of God and human solidarity is that God shares in our interests, in our purposes, and in our sympathies, our interests, such as eating and sleeping. You Give us some thought. God never ate, nor did God ever sleep before Jesus became incarnate. God has come to share in our interests, such as socializing and learning and family and friendship 
and illness and grieving and, yes, yes, even in paying taxes. Jesus paid taxes. God, having solidarity with us, means that God shares in our purposes, like earning a living and honoring parents and worshiping God and praying and properly burying the dead and striving to keep God's law, just to name a few purposes. And the solidarity between God and the human race also allows God to share in our human sympathies, such as children and abandoned women and the bereaved and the poor and the handicapped and the slave and the foreigner, and justice and kindness and mercy. Now let's step back a little bit from our text of Hebrews 2, 11 to 16. Let's step back a bit from it. In these verses, solidarity, solidarity between God, the Son, and all humans is being presented. And it's being presented for what it is, a sweet solidarity, a pleasant solidarity, a blessed solidarity. We know from other scripture that this sweet solidarity has huge theological implications. Romans 5.12, listen, therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, that's the first theological implication. Adam's solidarity with the human race has to do with sin. Romans 15, excuse me, 5 verse 15 gives us the other side of that coin. Romans 5.15, but the free gift is not like the transgression, for if by the transgression of the one the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. So if the first theological implication of solidarity was that Adam's solidarity with the human race has to do with sin, then thank God, the second theological implication of solidarity is that Christ's solidarity with the human race has to do with God's grace. Adam's solidarity with the human race is the problem. Christ's solidarity with the human race is the solution. Theologians call Adam's Excuse me, theologians call Adam mankind's federal head in the matter of sin. And theologians call Christ mankind's federal head in the matter of righteousness. Solidarity. Please let your eyes go back to Hebrews 2, verses 12 and 13. I'll read them again. Hebrews 2, 12 to 13 saying, I will proclaim thy name to my brethren in the midst of the congregation. I will sing thy praise, and again I will put my trust in him, and again, behold, I am the children whom God has given me. Now, what I want to do here is circle back to the first verse of our text for this morning and read the whole text so it'll flow properly. For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father. For which reason he was not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will proclaim thy name to my brethren in the midst of the congregation. I will sing thy praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I am the children whom God has given me. 
Since then, the children share in flesh and blood. He himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might deliver those who through the fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. For assuredly, he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendant of Abraham. And so when it comes to solidarity between Jesus Christ and the human race, when it comes to solidarity with respect to Adam, our forefather, and the human race, Adam's solidarity with us has to do with our sin. Christ's solidarity with us has to do with God's grace and righteousness. And when we look at the verses 12 and 13 of our passage, we should see that these verses quote three Old Testament verses. One of those three verses is from Psalm 22, and two of those quoted verses are from Isaiah chapter 8. Now, we should say and point out together with you that back in the times of the psalmist and back in the times of the prophet Isaiah, the first Jews who heard the psalms and the first Jews that heard the prophet Isaiah were being persecuted for being believers in God. Jewish believers in God. And then as the centuries unrolled to the first readership of the book of Hebrews that we find in our New Testament, nothing changed. The Jews were once persecuted in the time of the psalmist and the time of um, Isaiah, and they continued to be persecuted as believing Jews in the time when the first readership of the book of Hebrews read it. And you'll recall, I hope, that the first readers of the book of Hebrews were Jewish in their ethnicity, but had come to trust Yeshua, Messiah, Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and they were persecuted. And some of them were tempted to revert back to Judaism to stop rocking the boat, to stop being persecuted. And so there was persecution when the first verses were given by the psalmist and by Isaiah, and the first readers of the book of Hebrews continued as converted Jews to know that persecution. Now, I think it's interesting that we point out something here. Jesus Christ never once referred to his original 12 disciples as brethren before the cross. Before the cross, Jesus never called his band of disciples brethren. Jesus Christ waited to call those disciples brethren until after his cross until after he had fully paid the price to save those disciples, until those disciples were intensely suffering for being Jesus' followers. That's when the Lord Jesus began to call them brethren. And that's why the Lord Jesus in heaven at the Father's right hand is calling you brethren who know him as Savior. So I would write that down that truth. (laughs) So I would think about it later. There's something else that after the cross, referring to his suffering followers as brethren, that is his true spiritual brothers and sisters, the Lord Jesus Christ, according to our passage, does two things. They might surprise you. The Lord Jesus Christ, number one, preaches, and second, number one, he praises. The Lord Jesus Christ, from the Father's right hand, For us, his brethren, he preaches to us, and he praises with us. And that's the theological implication number three, that today our Lord Jesus Christ preaches God the Father 
to us as a church. And today, our Lord Jesus Christ praises God the Father with us as a church. (laughs) That means that today, like every other Lord's Day, that I am not the ultimate preacher. (laughs) The Lord Jesus Christ is the ultimate preacher. He's preaching the Father to all of us every Sunday through the Word of God. This means that Pastor Wallace is not the ultimate song leader any Sunday. The Lord Jesus is a song leader. He is singing the praises of the Heavenly Father with us every Lord's Day. He's the song leader. Amazing. From our text, the quote is, Jesus speaking, I will proclaim thy name, Father, to my brethren. That's us. And in the midst of the congregation, I will sing thy praise, Father, thy praise. Jesus Christ is the preacher to us, and Jesus Christ is the song leader with us. Amazing. (laughs) I like Francis Chan. Some of you know Francis Chan. He calls it the way it is. Somebody came out of his church and said, I didn't like the worship today, Pastor. Pastor Chan said, that's fine. We weren't worshiping you. Knowing that we are truly his brothers and sisters and knowing that we suffer for his sake, the Lord Jesus Christ himself regularly preaches to us and regularly praises with us. Christ the preacher, Christ the song leader, kind of takes the wind out of criticizing sermons or selections of songs we sing in church. The quote in verse 13a is from Isaiah 8, verse 17. And again, I will put my trust in him. The solidarity here in verse 13, part A, between the Lord Jesus Christ and believers like us goes like this. Isaiah back there had to put his trust in God when he prophesied to Judah. And the Lord Jesus Christ had to put his trust in his heavenly father when he lived and died ministering on earth. And we have to put our trust in the Lord now and whenever you could name a time. Put another way, when Isaiah suffered back then, his comfort came from trusting God. And when Jesus suffered in his earthly ministry, his comfort came from trusting his Father. And when we suffer now, our comfort comes from trusting God. Isaiah verse 18 is quoted in the second half of verse 13 in our passage when that part of our passage says, Behold, I and the children whom God has given me. Historically, you may remember that the prophet Isaiah ministered to Judah before they went into an extended time of captivity in Babylon. And God in his grace gave to Isaiah and Mrs. Isaiah Two sons. And God gave the two sons to boost the confidence of Isaiah and Mrs. Isaiah as they faced a rigorous, difficult time of deprivation in Babylon with Judah. These centuries later, in Hebrews 2, verse 13, 
it references Jesus Christ speaking in the first person. And again, I will put my trust in him. Behold, I and the children whom God has given me. Just as Isaiah's two children historically gave him hope in the face of difficulty, we as the children of God, the children of Jesus Christ, the brethren, give encouragement to the Lord Jesus as we suffer. And he suffers along with us from the right hand of the Father, observing what we are going through for his name's sake. And so the point with Isaiah back then, the point with the Lord Jesus back then, and the point with us this morning is this. Have confidence in God. It is so easy to say, have confidence in God. But do we have confidence in God? Do we have confidence in God facing death? Do we have confidence in God facing life? Do we have confidence in God? We should. (laughs) He's never broken one of his promises. He's never left us or forsaken us. We should have confidence in God. The first readers of the book of Hebrews were persecuted, as I mentioned, but they still could be confident because they were children whom God the Father had given to his son, Jesus. They were facing death. They were losing jobs. They were losing a place to live because they turned from Judaism to trusting Christ as Savior. But they could be confident, as can we, because they were children whom God the Father had given, Jesus Christ, rather, had given to the Father. You do know that you are not a number. You are not a statistic. Nor are you a project or a case. You are not a username to heaven, and you are not a password. You are a child of God, if you're saved. A preciously, unswervingly, unconditionally loved one of God's kids. If God had a wallet, our pictures would be in his wallet because we're his children. He loves us. He's proud of us. He's grateful for us. He's delighted in us. He listens to us, encourages us, teaches us. He chastens us when we need chastening. Got it a wallet. He'd have our pictures in his wallet because we're his children. We're related to Christ. We're his family. We have solidarity with Jesus, and he has solidarity with us. A slide is going to go up of a statue. This statue is outside of the Yad Vashem Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem. You can see there is an adult with arms outstretched around the shoulders of a group of children. They are Jewish children. This is a true scenario. Jewish children, primary age, Jewish children, class of a Gentile teacher. When the Nazis came for the children, 
the teacher could have gone. He was Gentile. The Nazis weren't after him. But he refused to leave his children. And he escorted them to the concentration camp where they all died. Solidarity. The Lord Jesus Christ faced no death sentence due to any sin on his own part. But in solidarity and love, he, he took the doom that we deserved willingly, voluntarily. And showing the love of solidarity with a fallen human race, he went to the cross to die in our places, in our stead. Solidarity. And of course, it was only possible for Jesus to choose to go to that cruel cross because he made pre previous choices. Choices to become incarnate. Choices to voluntarily and temporarily set aside the use of some of his attributes. The choice to die the death he died. The choice to suffer the things he suffered. But because he obeyed the Father in having solidarity with us, you know the great outcome that he defeated Satan that he freed us from sin and guilt and the fear of physical or eternal death. And so now, still in solidarity with us from the Father's right hand, Jesus Christ comforts us for our times of suffering by the two things I've pointed out to you in the text that he's doing, telling us about the Father, that's preaching, and leading us in singing to the Father, that's praising. And so Hebrews 2.12, in quoting Psalm 22, verse 22, I, Jesus speaking, I will proclaim thy name to my brethren in the midst of the congregation. I will sing thy praise. The first readers of the book of Hebrews were frightened about dying. They were afraid to die for Christ. We can see that in verses 14 and 15. Since then, the children share in flesh and blood. He himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might deliver those who through the fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. Yes, that first readership of the book of Hebrews were afraid to die for Christ, and maybe some of you are as well. I want to show you four things in closing. Four things from verses 14 and 15. Number one, by becoming human while still remaining to be God, Jesus came into a solidarity with the human race. Number two, by becoming human while still remaining to be God, Jesus, in his solidarity with the human race, could physically die and show fearful believers that we can also die with great hope and not with fear. Number three, 
By becoming human while still remaining to be God, our Lord, in solidarity with the human race, could rise from the dead, thereby rendering Satan powerless to intimidate believers with death. And number four, by becoming human while still remaining to be God, Jesus, in solidarity with the human race, could rise from the dead, thereby releasing believers from the slavery of the fear of death. Sweet solidarity. Better than national solidarity, better than labor union solidarity, better than ethnic solidarity, better than racial solidarity. Sweet solidarity with God the Son, the Savior of the world. Will you stand with me, please? Would you hold the hand of the neighbor on either side of you? Lord, we link hands as members of the human race, but also as members of the family of God. We thank you for brothers and sisters in Christ that we have holding on to either one of our hands, and the picture it is that we need each other. Uh, We bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. We rejoice with those who rejoice. We weep with those who weep. And Lord Jesus, thank you for stepping across the galaxies, the celestial bodies you created by the word of your mouth to be our Savior, the one in solidarity with us, the one that could bring us righteousness and forgiveness and grace because we were in a big mess with Adam as the one who had solidarity with us. So thank you, Lord Jesus, for the hope of the here and now and the hope of the hereafter. And we bless you in Jesus' name and God's family said, amen, amen. You may be seated.